Welcome to Prima's 2017 podcast series. My name is Shonda Ragland. I am the Director of Education and Training at Prima. On this Prima podcast, Daylene Bartholomew will discuss workers' compensation fraud trends. Daylene is an insurance fraud specialist, anti-fraud training expert, recognized speaker and author. Daylene is Vice President with Probe Information Services Incorporation. She has been a certified fraud examiner, certified insurance fraud investigator, licensed investigator, and specialist in workers' compensation and disability fraud for over 15 years. We will also be joined by Taekwon Gilbert, a member of Prima's education and training team. Taekwon will moderate the discussion. Enjoy the podcast. Daylene, thank you for joining us today. Have you noticed any fraud trends in the workers' compensation industry? Hi, Taekwon. Thank you so much. This is a topic that I'm so passionate about, and I'm just really thrilled to be sharing this information to be part of the, the Prima podcast series. And definitely, I've noticed several trends in the workers' comp industry. Fraud is, is always changing and evolving, and so it's a really exciting industry to, to be in and to be part of those changes. And so there's really three main areas of work comp fraud trends that I'll be sharing information about today. The first one's going to be law enforcement, which is, you know, who investigates fraud and district attorneys who prosecutes that fraud and what are the trends involving their industry. The second's going to be provider fraud trends. There's a lot of news around provider fraud and a lot of changes. So I'll be excited to share that. And then we will conclude with claimant fraud trends. What trends are occurring regarding law enforcement who investigate and prosecute workers' compensation fraud? There's actually really good news. We're seeing a lot of positive trends regarding the investigation and prosecution of fraud. And I've been in this industry for 20 years. And so if you've been in this industry as long as I have, you can remember a time when insurance fraud was just not prosecuted. I mean, we would send in criminal cases and we would get these form letters that said that they, you know, just simply did not have the resources to investigate this crime. So here there were these crimes being committed and there weren't resources to investigate it. So it was a very stressful time to be in the industry, but that that has really changed. And there's several reasons why there's been this really positive change. And back then, you know, there were, you know, I think law enforcement really wanted to go after these these crimes, these workers' comp fraud crimes, but they just really had a lack of resources. They had a lack of funding. They had a lack of dedicated personnel who specialized in insurance fraud. I mean, especially comp. If you're going to prosecute workers' comp, you have to understand workers' comp. I mean, right, we have our own language. We have all these acronyms. It's not just like any it, prosecutor could pick up this, you know, big box of paper and understand the elements of that, of that fraud. And so there was a lack of people who specialized in it. And then there was sort of a lack of accountability for these prosecutors who just kind of allowing this crime to be perpetrated in their jurisdiction. But the change that occurred really centered around a lot of the funding. So there's now money and grants that are given to these law enforcement agencies that provide them resources, and that money is dedicated to workers' comp fraud. That money comes is provided through the Fraud Assessment Commission. And the Fraud Assessment Commission gives this grant money to the district attorneys and then holds them accountable through that grant money. So we're really seeing a massive change, and it's really positive. 
The other thing that's really changed is there was a creation of different agencies. So the Department of Insurance investigates insurance fraud, and then the district attorneys prosecuted. But now we also have these specialized task forces involved, uh, which is really sort of bridging the gap, and we're really seeing agencies work together. And we've even seen you know, the FBI come in and be part of these cases. And so we're really seeing a lot of success and through that cooperation of these agencies that are working together. Plus, in addition to that, we have the Fraud Assessment Commission really holding these district attorneys accountable. If they get the grant funding, they have to pursue all different kinds of workers' comp fraud. So they really are saying, look, you need to go after the claimant fraud. You have to go after the premium fraud and the provider fraud. So um, there's this great system now. And the good news on that fund is that the grant funding has actually gone up. So, for example, in 2016, for California, there was a grant amount of $34 million that was shared amongst the district attorneys who participate in this program. But it went up in 2017 from $34 million to $36.7 million. And what was interesting about that is that the, the dollar amount the money comes from insurance premiums, but the dollar amount per premium really did not increase, but rather the number of workers has increased, which is really so something really good about our economy too. So we have this increase in money, which means more counties get more money and more counties can join the program. So there's right now, like for example, in California, 44 of California's 58 counties participate in this program. So that's a great outcome. And these counties that get this money have dedicated district attorneys who understand workers' comp fraud. They really, they train and they get educated and they really know comp. So what you see is, you know, more money really going to the larger counties where we see some of the hot spots, you know, really the really bad fraud. So, for example, Los Angeles, you know, that's kind of the, the hotbed of provider fraud especially. So they got the biggest chunk of that money. They're getting about $7 million. And the next two, uh, San Diego gets... 5.3 million, Orange County gets 4.6 million. So these are the, this is where the big money is going because this is where the big problems in California are. And rounding out the top five counties, you've got Santa Clara at 2.7 million and Riverside at 2.2. That's great. It gives them, you know, they can hire teams of people that are fighting this problem. But I also really, really love this program because it also gives the small counties a chance to get involved and get little, you know, some grants and get, even if it's just one dedicated person, that's all we need for these small counties. And I also like the cooperation among some of the small counties that have actually grouped together and are sharing a grant. So, for example, you've got these really small counties like Stanislaw, Amador, and Calaveras counties all share a grant of $421,000. And then these really little counties, Yolo, Sutter, Yuba, Calusa County, they share just $257,000. But it shows for these employers and these counties that there's a resource and, and that their cases, their fraud cases can get handled because there's dedicated people. There's somebody there that understands work comp fraud who's going to take this seriously. And so from an SIU standpoint, you know, we need to build relationships to be able to communicate effectively with these different district attorneys in these counties that are grant funded because they're the ones who are going to take the cases that we submit and get them prosecuted. And it allows SIUs like ours to also look at different jurisdictions. So when we have a good fraud case, we're not necessarily just locked into one county. We can actually look at neighboring counties to also handle a case. So if one county is really, really busy or behind on something, we might not want to put a case in that county as it might you know, get stuck in the pipeline. But we are now able to 
go to a neighboring county because of all this cooperation between these different agencies. So that's just been one of the major trends that we've seen that we think has been really impactful. What do you predict for the future of these law enforcement agencies? Well, if we look at, you know, California as a model, so, you know, a lot's happening here that I think is going to be mirrored in other states. And California is doing an exceptional job at fighting workers' comp fraud. And so I predict that they will continue on this path. And, you know, law enforcement who are working on these cases and dedicated to insurance fraud are now receiving really exceptional training on, you know, so that they can really understand the crazy system of workers' comp, right? It's not, it's not the same as civil. It has its own court. It has its own set of rules. And sometimes these things, they don't make sense. And so it's, it's, it's really important for law enforcement who are dealing in this arena to get training in this arena. And so one of the trends that we've seen is, um, in, especially in California, is an association that's really grown and it's called the Anti-Fraud Alliance. And I love this organization because it's comprised of multiple agencies, Department of Insurance is involved, the District Attorney Association is involved, the National Insurance Crime Bureau is involved. So you've got these huge agencies that have come together and say, look, we want to provide you know, top-notch continuing education and networking opportunities for fraud professionals. And so they bring in the professionals from the private industry and law enforcement. So you've got this great training opportunity that's bringing together everything from peace officers, you know, you've got state and federal investigators, insurance companies, officers are there. You've got dedicated SIU personnel, um, private investigators, prosecutors, civil attorneys. I mean, anyone who's involved in the fight against fraud comes together and we share knowledge and we learn together and we network together. So this is one of the things that has um, continued to really help move the needle forward. And so I predict law enforcement will continue to, you know, gain in their knowledge and expertise so that they can continue their aggressive approach against provider fraud. And you can really see that in some of the, of the results. You know, if you are, you know, looking at reading the news on, on workers' comp, you'll see that there's these large provider fraud problems and that these, they're now, you're hearing about massive amounts of arrests and, and criminal charges being charged against these providers. And so it is happening in other states, but I do think California, because we've had such a, a problem here that we're kind of on the forefront. So I do anticipate that these law enforcement agencies will continue to work together where, you know, in the past, the trend in the past was to be sort of more siloed, almost, I hate to say, but almost a little competitive perhaps to want to have the success on their own, to want to take credit for something where on their own they weren't as successful as they were as a strong team. And so I really feel like that mentality is gone and they're really out for the greater good. And so that either was working together collaboratively and I believe this will continue to be our path to success in combating work comp fraud moving forward. What trends are occurring in the provider fraud arena? From a fraud perspective, we've seen a um, consistent improvement with the capacity, resources, and results from the district attorneys and other law enforcement agencies throughout California. And that's been, you know, year after year with their fight against provider fraud. And so, you know, we're seeing an increase in both individual arrests and uh, prosecution of individual providers, as well as these sort of large multi-million dollar fraud rings. And you're seeing these rings, you know, especially throughout the Southern California region. That's just where, I mean, they exist you know, everywhere, but that's just where they're so prominent. And combating provider fraud is challenging. It's, it's a moving target. 
Because as soon as, you know, we as an industry get a handle on one scheme, the providers have come up with another scheme. So, you know, we've seen lots of different schemes, right? You know, uh, we've seen the fraud that's centered around durable medical equipment. Then, you know, compound creams were a huge problem, you know, and and still are, to be honest. Um, Opioids been a problem for a, a long time. We've seen fraud around interpreting companies, copy service companies, and then these large fraud rings that involve, you know, applicant attorneys and providers working together with cappers. And cappers are these people who um, arrange these relationships that are facilitating inappropriate treatment, finding people to pose basically as injured workers who didn't sustain a work-related injury, and they're really building these systems that you know, are, are basically referral systems and kickback schemes. And so, you know, these are the, are the really large trends that are occurring right now in, in provider fraud. The large fraud rings have been receiving a lot of press lately. Can you talk more about that? They have been getting a lot of press ready lately, you're right, Taekwon. Um, and it's it, especially now these, these ones that are, I mean, you know, some of the stuff is, is multi-million dollar schemes. And so um, the one in Orange County in particular, I think is really interesting. So these cappers, they hung signs and handed out um, like business cards all around Orange County that advertised workers' comp benefits, you know, and they kind of, signs kind of said, like, how much money you would get, you know, paid monthly on comp, and, and you know, hey, aren't you hurt, or hey, we can help you make money, and then they would put out this toll-free number. So if you called, um, you know, oh, and, and these posters are hung, you know, in, in predominantly Hispanic neighborhoods all around um, Orange County, and they were advertised on radio and TV. They were hung up at swap meets, at, you know, businesses, and so if a person were to call that toll-free number, it was answered by in a call center in El Salvador. And these people were professionals at sort of convincing the people on the call that this was a good idea, that they deserved this money, that, you know, it was super easy, and that they would just send someone to their house to, you know, give them more information. Then they would dispatch the cappers to go to those callers' homes, and then those cappers were very convincing and they convinced them to, you know, sort of join in on this and retain an attorney. And this attorney, of course, is an applicant attorney who's involved in this scheme. Then the cappers would set doctor's appointments with doctors also involved in the scheme. And so then then starts the system of, um, you know, billing and uh, referrals that are inappropriate that it's all through kickbacks and so the doctors and the attorneys are paying money to the cappers to get these referrals. And then, of course, they're over-treating and over-billing. And, um, you know, I believe some of these claimants may have had legitimate injuries, but many were just persuaded by these marketing tactics of these cappers. So uh, what we've seen in Orange County is that 10 applicant attorneys and six cappers have been charged by Orange County District Attorney in this multi-million dollar scheme. And the district attorney has, has said that the medical providers involved in the scheme are going to be the next round of people who are going to be arrested and charged. And so this is an important case. Um, it reveals the scheme and what's occurring, and it definitely sends a, a message to these providers that law enforcement are, is pursuing these cases. We hope you're enjoying the podcast. Here's some words from Prima's Member Services Manager, Danica Williams, regarding Prima membership benefits. Prima is a membership organization dedicated to advancing the knowledge and practice of risk management in the public sector. Prima members come from a diverse range of disciplines, entity types, sizes, and share a variety of titles, including risk manager, 
human resources professional, workers' compensation coordinator, employee benefits coordinator, claims administrator, safety personnel, risk pool administrator, just to name a few. Despite their titles, there is one resounding theme among these individuals, and that is that they manage risks within their entity and importantly, risks affecting the public interest. Prima members enjoy a robust array of educational programming, risk management resources, and networking opportunities. Some of Prima's member benefits include access to blogs, podcasts, webinars, Prima's job bank, Prima's online community where members have the ability to connect, share, and solicit information directly from their colleagues, Prima's library of risk management documents, Prima's flagship publication, the Public Risk Magazine, and member discounts to all Prima events and training. Becoming a Prima member is one of the most worthwhile career investments a risk management practitioner can make, not just for themselves, but for their entire entity. To learn more about Prima member resources, visit primacentral.org. Now back to Daylene and Taekwon. What do you predict for the future of provider fraud? I feel like it's good news. I mean, it's not all rainbows and unicorns, but I feel like we're definitely on the right track here. You know, we anticipate, you know, these trends to continue. But, you know, with the grant funding and the accountability by the Fraud Assessment Commission, we feel that, you know, law enforcement will continue to, to do an amazing job. You know, unfortunately, organized crime that, you know, has moved, you know, south down into San Diego, it's moved north up into Bakersfield, so it's definitely on the move. But law enforcement agencies are sharing their knowledge so that these other counties can, you know, see what's coming and create plans to to deal with it. Another good thing that I'm, what we're seeing uh, for the future of provider fraud is we're seeing, you know, more participation in the private sector. So, you know, private sector has been involved in, a, you know, in this for a long time. You know, some of the big carriers have always been involved. But we're seeing, you know, more carriers get involved, more carriers have specialized provider fraud SIU teams, so then they can dig through and really provide the needed information to these district attorneys. You know, I think one of the best models of that would be Zenith Insurance. That's um, under Don Marshall's leadership. They have been, you know, such an important component in the fight against provider fraud. And I do think they'll be, you know, as we continue on, you know, more more of the private sector, and I'm, and I'm really hoping that more employers and self-insureds and public agencies are joining this fight. So it sounds like you're optimistic about the future trends for provider fraud. Mostly, yes. You know, there's always room to improve, but, you know, I'm kind of an optimist, and, and I think I've been in this industry so long that I saw it when, you know, we weren't getting anywhere, so to me, things look pretty good. These agencies are still learning the best way to combat this problem, you know, and on the negative side, I mean, it does, it takes a lot of money. And it takes a lot of time to prosecute providers. So, you know, it's it's not an instant thing. You know, the criminal court system moves very slowly. And it can take years to investigate and then years to prosecute these cases. But, you know, for the most part, we are seeing this improvement. On the other side, you know, from, you know, someone in the industry, we always have to be on our toes. Because once we learn one scheme, they tend to move to the next scheme. So, you know, it's always a challenge. But on the positive side is when we do get convictions from these providers, there's often assets. So law enforcement does a good job of seizing those assets, seizing the bank accounts, and so they can redistribute that money back to the victims, back to the employers who were scammed 
out of this money. And, you know, another thing is, you know, the criminal court's not the only solution. We are seeing, especially carriers, enter into the civil arena. And these are called um, key TAM actions that are happening there. And we, there are seeing some really good outcomes in the civil arena as well. So I think, though, that the biggest part of the solution is to have all employers, all carriers in California report their fraud, share information to build the database for California's law enforcement agencies so they can determine which cases to pursue. And, you know, another positive side is that one of the most impactful changes in the provider fraud arena is the new sanctions imposed on providers who commit fraud. And that includes lean stays and disqualification from workers' comp and Medi-Cal. That change is just huge. Another thing that we, you know, have been watching and was noted in the RAND Corporation report, and they noted some key recommended measures. And these recommended measures are actually under review by the workers' comp board. And these could really have a positive impact as well. And the recommendations were to use detection of fraudulent providers through the use of advanced analytics. That would have a huge impact. Keeping post-employment medical treatment claims under the employer's control, because a lot of those are um, really fraudulent claims. And so that would really alleviate some problems as well. And then finally, suspending lien claims for suspected fraud providers. So right now we suspend the lien claims for prosecuted, suspected, prosecuted fraud providers. But at the time that maybe a criminal investigation is opened or charges being filed, that means there's suspected fraud. And the RAND Corporation is advocating that we suspend them at that time. And we, we would agree with that. This would be really a game changer in the fight against provider fraud. What trends are occurring in the claimant fraud arena? The claimant fraud arena. So this, this is really a different, a different beast, if you will. And really, you know, there's more good news on this area too. So, you know, over here at Probe, our SIU, you know, we have prosecuted hundreds of, of claimants for provider fraud. So we certainly had a lot of experience with this for a very long time and in a lot of different jurisdictions. And, you know, from an SIU perspective, claimant fraud is different because the SIU has more control over the claimant fraud case. So provider fraud is really investigated and completely handled. You know, it's, it's really a majority handled in the with law enforcement. I mean, they really get help with some of these bigger carriers who are providing a lot of analytical data, but it, the criminal investigation is actually handled you know, by law enforcement, typically, where claimant fraud is investigated by the SIU. So from our perspective, you know, we are handling that investigation. We're tracking it. You know, we do, are deciding which cases have reached the threshold for fraud, and we're referring those to law enforcement. And so, you know, at Probe, we can feel like there's really good news because we have a 90% conviction rate on claimant fraud. So nine out of 10 cases that we present to district attorneys result in a conviction for workers' compensation fraud. So that is, a, you know, a big change from, you know, the way it used to be. And another big change is that the time frame that it's taking to get these cases prosecuted. So it used to take sometimes years to, t- to get these cases prosecuted. But currently, you know, probes SAU, we're seeing it from, you know, the time that we present it to the district attorney to the time that criminal charges are filed, we're averaging six months. So that's a huge change and a really positive trend. And we're also seeing district attorneys be, you know, more aggressive or more fair, really, with all types of claimants. So when we talk about public sector, you know, we might be speaking about people who are committing fraud that are peace officers, 
first responders, firefighters, those, you know. And it used to be that law enforcement would kind of shy away from that. And we're not seeing that as much anymore. We're really seeing law enforcement take on these cases. So, you know, in, in probes SIU, we used to have to sometimes even, you know, we'd have to go around the district attorney because they wouldn't take these cases and we'd have to go to the attorney general. But now we're not seeing that anymore. What we're seeing now is the district attorneys are taking these cases. And so I think that's another, you know, a positive thing in the claimant fraud arena is that, you know, regardless of job title, if you're committing fraud, if you're stealing from your employer, whether your employer is public sector or private sector, no matter what your job title is, you know, those cases need to be investigated fairly. And if they have enough evidence to support it, we're seeing criminal charges get filed. What do you predict for the future of claimant fraud? I think mostly what we're seeing for the future is, you know, a continual change in the sentencing. Um, It used to be that, you know, when somebody was convicted of fraud, you might see some jail time. We even saw a couple times that people were put in prison if they had prior criminal records. But we're not seeing that anymore. We're really seeing, you know, possibly some house arrest, but more community service. We're also seeing a trend from a fact of felonies being reduced to misdemeanors because these cases should be resolved in a plea deal. We really don't, we want to avoid trial. Trial's very expensive and that costs the employer, you know, more money and it kind of victimizes the victim more. So I'd say that the the sentencing is really some of what we'll continue to see as as a change in in claimant fraud. Are there any other trends you've noticed in the workers' compensation industry? Well, you know, claimants continue to add stress and psych um, to their claims. One of the bigger challenges still continues to be, you know, the the cumulative trauma claims, especially those post-term. Those, you know, those cause cause nearly half the liens in the work comp system. So, you know, and those are the liens that are settling for pennies on the dollar. So we certainly have reason to believe that at least some of those liens are filed for the purpose of of covering nuisance, nuisance value settlements, you know, to... Note, quote, the RAND report again, we agree with them that we would like to see, you know, an allowing for employers to control the medical care after denying a post-term CT claim, as that would certainly eliminate some of the fraud and abuse without denying the injured worker access to adequate medical care. So those are really the trends that I've, other trends I've noticed in the work comp industry. So when we have a talk titled workers comp fraud trends, people might expect it to be all doom and gloom, but it sounds like there are a lot of positive trends occurring. Would you agree? Yeah, you know, I'm an optimist, but I do think it's it's really positive news for the most part. You know, we're we're making some great strides with trends against the lean stays, like I mentioned. You know, the prosecutors are provided or disqualified from workers' comp in, in Medi-Cal. Um, you know, these are really important legislative changes that are really impacting the workers' comp fraud. The fighting work comp fraud is always a game of sort of whack-a-mole. You know, as soon as we push one down, another pops up. You know, and in my 20 years in the industry, you know, I've seen the trends from, you know, chiropractors and everything from, you know, their schemes and those TENS units that they had and the misclassification of hot-cold therapy machines that were sold as two separate machines when it was just one machine, the compound creams, the sleep studies, the overprescribing of opioids. I heard the next trend is going to be related to incontinence, so I guess we should all buy some stock in adult diaper companies. What do you think the outcome will be of these trends you've identified? Well, we've seen an increase in prosecutions for both claimant fraud and provider fraud year over year. So I do think that will continue. I think, you know, for our clients, we've been successful in getting convictions, which provides a visible deterrence. So often, you know, probes clients can, they report to us, you know, a decrease in questionable claims as a result. And, you know, when providers are prosecuted, it sends a very large message, you know, but 
the work comp system is not a small boat. You know, it's a huge ship. It takes a long time to turn. But as we continue to work together as an industry, uh, we can really, you know, make a difference. What do you recommend that public agencies do to combat workers' compensation fraud? I recommend that public agencies partner with a successful SAU and that that they as a team, you know, create a customized anti-fraud program that's a fit for that public agency's, you know, workers' comp program. And so, you know, and I think a successful SAU partnership really has six things. Number one, system integration. You want your SIU to have access to the claim system so that they can, you know, obviously go in there and, and review the medical reports, look for trends, look at fact patterns, you know, be a true partner with system integration. Number two, early detection. So this is where the claim professionals are identifying suspicious claims early and sharing that information with the SIU. And so number three would be providing a proactive approach. So this is your SIU getting those early detections and creating a plan, plan of action, a strategy that they share with the adjuster so that they have a proactive approach to stopping malingering, stopping abuse. Don't let it become fraud. But if it becomes fraud, have a proactive approach to fighting fraud. Number four is regular communication between the SIU, the TPA, the, you know, the, the public agency, defense attorneys or city attorney, you know, the, the team that you're meeting regularly to discuss the program, the outcomes. Do we need to make tweaks on the program? How are things going? What are our goals? What trends are we seeing? Sharing that information is so critical. Number five is to provide regular anti-fraud training. This is going to share the fraud trends with the, you know, the, the integral anti-fraud staff. These are your claim professionals, and these are your employers who are involved. You know, this helps with that early detection that we talked about. So they have knowledge of what's going on. They understand the process and what the SIU is doing and how the system works. And then the last thing is a teamwork approach that extends from the SIU to the law enforcement agencies in the county where that public agency is. Because that district attorney and those Department of Insurance criminal investigators, they're part of your team too. So you want to partner with an SIU who has relationships with those law enforcement agencies in your jurisdiction so that when a case does move to fraud, when a crime has been committed, you already have that foundation to have those communications with law enforcement and get that case put in the pipeline very fast and handled correctly. So those are the six things I recommend for um, public agencies, but I'd also just sort of add, you know, investigation done early helps the claim and, you know, it helps, you know, ensure that people are getting the benefits that they're entitled to, but not more than, and investigation often will highlight the suspicious cases so that your SIU can get involved early. And that gives them an opportunity to help, you know, prevent more loss on a case, you know, help with strategy to get malingerers back to work. But certainly, if a crime has been committed, you want your SIU to be involved early to help build the sufficient evidence. Because in California, this is a felony. So we do need to have sufficient evidence. And, you know, in any fraud case, the lie is the element that we need the most. We have to have a lie. And so that could be a recorded statement by your investigator. It can be in a deposition. To have your SIU involved early and be part of you know, the deposition before it happens, to be part of these things before, before you're putting any kind of surveillance film into evidence with a doctor, to have a, your SIU involved in those steps is going to make your, your anti-fraud program very successful. So just a last few key takeaways for the public agencies. I have four. Number one, consider having an investigative panel with just one or two 
of the best investigative agencies in your area. This is better than these large panels of investigators where you're kind of just round-robining and you know, everyone just gets a couple cases. This way your investigators can really get to know the public agency, you know their systems. They become expert on those public agencies' claims and trends and issues, and they can provide customized solutions. Number two, your, your SIU should provide no-charge consultations so that your claim professionals can discuss cases with SIU without needing authorization. There can just be an open flow of communication. That way, SIU can provide recommendations on strategies where then the claim professional can go decide is this what they want to do. Number three, public agencies should have a zero-tolerance stance when it comes to workers' comp fraud and then follow through with that. And number four, this is my last one, consider having your SIU issue press releases on all your convictions. These are public record, so you can do a press release, and this can really help with deterrence and demonstrates your stance. You know, when your employees are injured, you want to take care of them. But when they steal from you, you should alert them that you will pursue prosecution when appropriate. So those are my last little takeaways there for the public agencies. We have reached the end of our podcast. Thanks so much, Daylene and Taekwon. Please visit the Prima website to listen to other Prima podcasts, join upcoming Prima webinars, read Prima blogs, and learn about additional Prima educational resources. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and our very own Prima Talk. Have a wonderful day.